Welcome into the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner, 11th of November 2023, and boy, are times busy down here in the 03. Uh, fantastic show for you lined up today. I really mean that. Yes, I'm biased, but we actually do have Rob Penny, the head coach of the Crusaders. Uh, the squad was announced, and I can tell you, Rob is quietly pleased, I would say. I think he really likes the group of guys he has at his disposal for the season to come. We'll catch up with Rob Penny in just a wee bit. Uh, local sports? Well, you know I have to crowbar a bit of uh, AFL into the show, especially when it's the CAFL, the Canterbury AFL Grand Final today. So my coach, Andrew Leckie of the Eastern Blues, yeah, earmuffs, Cougars, Eagles or Bulldogs supporters, or players, uh, if you're so lucky to be listening, or if I'm so lucky to have you listening, <laughs> uh, earmuffs because Andrew Leckie's going to talk some blues, but he's actually going to talk some footy in New Zealand and why he loves the sport and, and what he thinks it does really well for the community around us. So that'll be a bit of community or local sport with Trident Homes, designed for living, built for life. Proud supporters of community sport across Christchurch. Check out our modern home plans and show home locations at tridenthomes.nz. Uh, and then a really, really special interview. A really, really cool interview with Andrew Rutledge, who is the head of parks at Christchurch City Council because the Lancaster Park Memorial Gates are being rededicated later on today. It is Armistice Day today, as you're probably aware. And uh, a little bit later on, about 12.30, the council with some legends of New, uh, Canterbury and New Zealand sport are going to be rededicating uh, the um, Lancaster Park Memorial Gates down there at the site, which is just on uh, 30 Stephen Street, Waltham. And they're also going to unveil the Arca history, capturing, uh, I guess, a, a huge and momentous century plus of sport at Lancaster Park, which is pretty special. So I, I think you're really going to enjoy that chat as well. So what we're going to do is we're going to shoot off and come straight back with Rob Penny uh, here, the Canterbury Sports Corner with Enterprise, the recruitment company improving people's lives for 50 years. We appreciate their support massively. Rob Penny straight after this. It's a huge show of the Canterbury Sports Corner on 11th of 11, 2023. All right, joining us now at SENZ, it is a real pleasure to welcome back a, a returning figure to the New Zealand rugby scene. We've known about this for a wee while now, but uh, my first chance at the very least, and um, a good chance to properly welcome in the new Crusaders head coach, very familiar to this part of the world where I am in Canterbury, a long-time successful Canterbury coach, a very experienced international coach, and you're back, I guess where it all started, Rob, here in Christchurch with the car keys to the, a franchise that I think a lot of people around the world look up to in the Crusaders. So uh, you must be very excited on squad naming day. It must feel like a long time coming. Yeah, it's a special day. Um Coaching staff and management behind the scenes has done a great job compiling the group that we've got. We're very excited about them. Um, you know, we've got the capacity uh, to do um, wonderful things with this group. We feel, and there's a good um, uh, level of experience and some exciting younger ones coming in to keep the energy high. Uh, so, yeah, it's. Um, it's a great day, and um, you know, for me personally, as you've alluded, uh, I love this place, and I've got an opportunity now to contribute to this great team, um, and I'm yeah, very excited and, and wrapped and humbled. Rob, we'll we'll talk about you a little bit more later on, 
But first of all, the squad. Let's focus on that. Um, I've looked at a lot of these Super Rugby squads that we've seen released, and there's varying levels of turnover amongst them. I think uh, Clark said to us down south they've had 14 new faces in, which is a lot. Uh, For you guys, how much turnover have you had from last year where you've lost some experienced faces to this year? Yeah, I think there's seven new members this year, um, if I I recall rightly. So I I think, you know, that would be probably about average for a team. Um, So although we've hard to replace some of the members that have left, we're not looking back. We've hardly discussed um, outside of what a privilege it was to either watch or be involved with those great players as they pass through the Crusaders All Blacks. Um, we've hardly discussed the fact that they won't be in our environment this year because we, you know, we want to keep the eye on the ball and make sure that we're enhancing and developing the next one. And to do that, you need to be thinking about what the future holds. And, and we're excited about, as I said earlier, the group that we've got uh, in a number of capacities. And um, so, although there's been some, 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 you know, some of the greatest, some goats have left the Crusaders. Uh, you know, there'll be some future goats waiting to, uh, you know, waiting for their opportunity. As I scan the squad, there's a real mix, and you'd, I think you'd call it a healthy mix of experience and age. You've got seasoned All Blacks, then you've got new players coming in, uh, you've got under 20s New Zealand representatives, and then you've got some international flavour. The, the, a lot's been made of Lee Halfpenny and also uh, the returning Ryan Crotty in the midfield. So... The mix you've got, are you comfortable? Uh, have you gone one way or the other? Or you just tried to kind of keep it player by player and fill the squad to needs you know you will require later in the season? Yeah, very much around meeting the needs of the group, discussing all the what-if scenarios, making sure you've got cover in all your critical positions, and not just cover, good a good level of cover. And then... Um, you know, making sure you've got enough uh, versatility so that when you're selecting or looking at your bench, um, you've got players that can cover multiple positions uh, as well as, you know, if they start, they're, they're capable to start and hold down, you know, starting level in one position, in a certain position. So there's a number of connotations you work through. Um, experience, leadership is another level of, of consideration that you need to have. And as I said at the start, you know, the, the work and effort that the coaching group and the management have, have done to get the group to this point has uh, been superb and really admire the way that's been done. And, um, yeah, now we've got a, a group on paper. We can we can start to, you know, start to build those relationships and, um, you know, get the group on the grass, you know, later this month and, It'll be a, a great little period for us to, to bet in some rugby stuff. Rob, if I look directly at your inside backs and towards the game drivers, Mitchell Drummond, Willie Hines, two extremely experienced Super Rugby players, Noah Hotham, an exciting precocious talent, Rivers Rayhana, Fergus Burke, who we know is unfortunately injured to start the season, then Taha Kamada, who is another precocious talent in that Noah sort of um, class. Now, do you suspect that you might have men playing first five this year that don't come from those three first fives 
that are listed in your squad? Highly unlikely. Um, those boys, or those men, I should say, have been selected because of the things you've discussed. Precocious talent, uh, had, had some degree of experience and maturity and now are in a position where when the teacher appears, sorry, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. So the timing's right for them. We've got to we've got to trust them and back them, and um, you know, um, make sure that they feel as though they've got wholehearted support from the back room, and that'll be the way we'll hit. You've missed one little name off there that may not be uh, in yet. So Tane Robinson, who's been also playing ten from Tasman, uh, he'll be listed in the. 10, 15 area. So he's another one that, you know, adds to that depth of 10. And although Ferg, unfortunately, is going to be out for the initial part of the campaign with his Achilles rupture, um, we're looking forward to welcoming him back at a later date. So good to see Ryan Crotty back in the mix, and uh, he'll be so um, oh, he'll be invaluable for you just during the week, I imagine, as well as on Saturdays or Fridays or whenever your games are. Rob, but just someone with that much experience, as you know, invaluable at this level. But Levi O'Moore, I mean, talk to me. What you tell us? What you've seen from Levi O'Moore since you've been around him, and what sort of ceiling you think he might have as a midfielder at Super Rugby, but then potentially beyond if he is so lucky to um, progress his career further? Well, you used the word precocious talent there before. He's somewhat with it. He's obviously been around the scene a little bit. He's uh, you know, more mature than probably some of the others uh, that would be making their debuts for the Crusaders. Um, he's had, um, I guess, some... Some challenges with managing his fitness and his weight, and but over the last couple of years, he's really got on top of that. His performances have been stellar. Um, he has a massive uh, resilience, a uh, high level of work. So every team he's involved with, he he gets um, you know has a massive workload, and, and he's able to do it week in week out. So we're wrapped, have some of his standing given. Uh, you know, the amount of um, experience and talent that we've uh, lost in that area. And unfortunately, Braden Enoy, as you would have been alluded, he, um, his uh, knee reconstruction um, had a wee uh, infection issue and he won't be available to us at all either. So that's, that's uh, Levi. And then, as you've alluded again, Crop, so fortunate to have a great man like him who has decided that um, and, and Crotts, knowing the man, he'd never put himself in a position where he wasn't going to be able to contribute 100% uh, on and off the field. And he, he, during the discussions, you know, he, he basically uh, was excited about what the future might hold. And when we were discussing about whether he was um, up to another campaign, that came uh, through loud and clear that without question he was he was going to be 100% committed and capable of doing what we know Crocs can do. So, and then we've got um, Johnny Robert, a young midfielder to support in that area as well, and obviously the great David Havili, who you know is a world class player and wants the opportunity to keep pushing for the highest honours in that position. So, yep, we've got. Uh, 
we've got good depth and quality there and um, excited about their influence on our game given, I guess, the, the little bit of lack of experience you've alluded to around our team. You know, there'll, there'll be a lot of onus on their midfield to really support and guide those boys um, as they grow into the, the ultimate drivers we think those teams can be. Despite losing one of the greatest rugby players of all time, um, the tight forwards have stayed pretty, <laughs> I guess, uh, similar, to be fair, and you've got a lot of experience and a, a lot of old heads that know Rugby Park so well. Um, two-part question, Rob. Is Scott Barrett your captain going forward? Uh, I assume he would be. And how much do those leaders, your Cody's, your Scott's, your Davies, how, how much do these guys impact what you do as a coach and how you lead in your role? They're the, obviously, they are the incumbents. They were there and have been there under Scott Robertson, and now you have them as leaders. So how much do you lean on them or let them continue their habits and the way they lead the week versus try to put your own imprint on it? Because I assume you want to have your own DNA, and, and although being similar characters, and we've heard you talk about you know you and Razor's relationship, you will do things differently naturally, right? Firstly, yeah, you assume, right, um, Scooter's done a magnificent job of, of leading the Crusaders and that'll continue. Uh, secondly, the importance of your leadership group, um, you know, cannot be understated. There is, and there's been a lot of people done a lot of work in behind the scenes uh, around the leadership of... Uh, all the capabilities of the leadership team from this area and the, the young men have really embraced that and as they mature and become more influential, um, you know, the, the, the guidance and support that us as a management group will give them and me in particular, um, you know, will become, I guess, more and more in the shadows. So to answer your question, uh, in in a, I guess, a succinct summary, yep, the leaders will be able to lead, will be requiring that aspect of leadership from them, and will be asking them to um, to continue to step up both on and off the field to ensure that every component of our, of our group is operating efficiently and to its maximum, and, and hopefully, you know, by the end of it, the proof will be in the pudding by our performances weekly, uh, being able to be consistent and passionate and loving what we do in the colours of red and black. Oh, the beautiful dulcet sounds of hunters and collectors. You hear that, you probably know what time of year it is. Oh, it's not September. It's not AFL Grand Final time, but it is the CAFL Grand Final time. And um, if you know me, which you do by now, you know I've got a few loves, racing being one, which we'll talk about in just a bit. And Aussie Rules Football being another and moving back home to Christchurch, I got to rejoin my beloved Eastern Blues Football Club. And um, I tell you what, 
it's been a pleasant return and it hasn't been too hard because they're winners and they're led by a man, Andrew Leckie, who's a, a high-powered executive in a, a major corporation that we don't need to name in case anybody sees him this weekend. But Andrew, uh, as I welcome you in as head coach of the Eastern Blues this morning, mate, when you hear this, what sort of emotions does it give you? What sort of fizz levels does it give you? Oh, Louis, what a song, hey? Uh, that that takes me back to uh, my youth in Australia playing AFL and getting pumped for grand finals. So it takes the fizz levels off the charts, mate. Now, I, as I just said, I've played Aussie Rules for a while and, and this was my club back here when I was in Christchurch the first time around out of high school, Justin Davies, um, a legend of, I guess, New Zealand AFL being the, the old Falcons coach and, and the club, and, and it was awesome. And I had guys still there now, James Bowden, Jared Court, Jay Johnson. These names won't mean a hell of a lot to too many people. Well, sorry, Buzzle probably, that'll hurt his feelings. Um, but <laughs> um, but when I went away and came back, I, I didn't really know what sort of state the club was in and, and what sort of state the careful was in. But I've been so pleasantly surprised by the numbers, the amount of people we've got playing the great game down here in Christchurch, and, and what you've managed to do with the Eastern Blues, mate. So can you just give us a bit of a background of when you kind of came along, um, what impressions you made of the sport here in Christchurch and and where it's at now? Yeah, sure, mate. I, I guess I was um, pretty lucky. I kind of fell into the blues, uh, would be four seasons ago. Um, came to, I didn't even realise AFL was played um, here in Christchurch and finally did a bit of a search. I've been back home in New Zealand for kind of 15 years, as I sort of previously said, my youth was spent in Australia, so that was the, the sport that I played. Um, I said to the president at the time, Craig Varco, which, which team short, as I was kind of watching a couple of games on the, the Saturday, and he said, oh, the Blues here, the Blues are short on numbers, and what do you know? I said, all right, I'll, I'll have a whirl with them, and we went from fourth to the grand final position that year. Um, sadly, we lost. We, we lost the one again the following year, and then... Um, we made up for it all by winning last year's uh, flag, finally. And um, and then, of course, yeah, this year in the grand final. So um, that was the way that I kind of fell into Caffle and the Blues. And as you, you've mentioned, a couple of names there, which are really legends of the Blues footy club and AFL. And just uh, we've really focused on, on providing a culture of, um, you know, a no-dickhead policy and just good blokes that really get along with one another and want to have a crack at the footy and, and a good time on a Saturday. So this is this is Aussie Rules specific with this chat, but it's not really because this is community sport and it is, it is the truest form of community sport because it's not a major sport in New Zealand. It's a sport that's been trying to grow for a long time and for different reasons, which is a different conversation. It hasn't quite taken off and maximised what I think it could be here. Um, but... For some reason, Andrew, you've managed to kind of galvanise a, a, a group of blokes that it isn't a lot of their primary sports, but you've managed to get them to buy in and care. And that's probably less about the sport and more about what you're trying to sell and trying to make the club about. So ha have you had experience with other community um, operations before? Why you, do you have such a knack of bringing guys together? Uh, I, I guess to be fair, um, Louis, it's probably just a personal interest of mine is in, and, and it certainly comes out in my professional life around when you're working with people and a diverse kind of set of people, ideally you want them to get along, right? And you want a relationship and you want some connection. The fact that we play AFL 
is probably kind of the vehicle for our connection. But it's, uh, you know, the focus for me has been getting fellas, as you said, that it is a secondary or maybe even a third tier sport for some. We've got blokes that are playing football during the week. They're playing cricket after the game of Aussie rules. But getting them to buy in to the team ethos and to the culture of a club and a community sport and having that connection and relationship between one another is really um, what it's all been about for me. And I, I guess, you know, I just love to see how much the lads enjoy. Um, and, and actually, I'll go a little bit broader than just the lads. What we've noticed this year is that after a couple of years of investment, we've actually finally got some families down. So, you know, we've got partners and we've got the kids and we've got some younger siblings that are threatening to play for the Blues over the next couple of years. So we're really trying to build, again, not just the culture and the community of the club, but a really sort of family whānau-focused organisation as well. And I think a lot of um, organisations, professional and then right down to community, that every, that's the goal. Everyone knows that local sports or professional sports, as I say, can't just be about the men or women on the field. It has to be about the networks behind and, and it takes a, you know, a village, that sort of thing. Um, on the field, I find it interesting that, I don't know whether you'll be able to relate, if you think about where you've come from and Aussie rules and the sport, the way it's played in Australia, I find the CAFL has its own brand of football, which um, for good and bad, it has its own brand and it is unique. And I think that, I think though, I think that there's a real pride in the in the organisation as far as the people that play it. I get the sense that, and because I am a player, um, you walk around and you're kind of excited to tell people you play Aussie Rules in Christchurch because it is its own little cult league. It's um, it's definitely got an identity, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it sure does. And I guess for you know, for me, it's kind of driven by a couple of different reasons. Um, there are a lot of misconceptions about AFL, about Aussie rules. I know the number of conversations that I've had with people where they're, oh, yeah, yeah, I've, I've always wanted to have a go, but it doesn't sort of have too much contact in it for me. And, you know, it's it's not quite quite the sport that I, I sort of aspire to. And then I say to people, well, come on, come on down and have a look. And those people that have watched the game are really entertained by it, right? The, the physicality, the fitness, um, everything that is involved, it's a big field, you've got 18 players on there, you've got six on the bench, you then need your emergency, so you need a big squad. So there's a lot of people that are milling around it. To your point around the CAFL kind of having its own identity, I think, you know, I take my hat off to the officials, um, the president, Matty McKee, you know, he's done a great job over the last couple of years. There's some long-standing officials, um, again, legends of the association and the game who invest a lot of time in making sure that the four clubs that play it can turn up on a Saturday and play it and enjoy it. And that's pretty special, right? And I think, again, um, when I look through the, the kind of four years that I've been associated with the club, what I'm most impressed by is the standard of football just improves year on year on year. You know, our, our team that we're playing against uh, in the grand final tomorrow, the Bulldogs, they're a wonderfully youthful sort of team, lots of young fellas, very athletic, um, they seem to have a really good time about themselves and they've got a brilliant future. And so I think, again, as, as we can blood, as much as we've still got some of those legends of the game, as much as we can blood some youth in there, and people get to understand just how much of a complementary sport it can be, we're only going to grow. And I, I talk about the complementary nature, like, you know, rugby off-season. 
if you want fitness, sometimes getting out there for a run or going to the gym can be a little bit tiresome or boring. You want a bit of fitness. Get along and have a training in an AFL session or get along on Saturday and play a game. And that, that really takes your, your fitness up. And it doesn't impede on a lot of people's rugby seasons or football seasons as well. So a real addition to, to the sporting interested person. Uh, I really do think, and I've said this for a long time, that the sport is it's not a sleeping giant here in New Zealand because I, I know that it'll never... It'll, it'll never reach the heights of a rugby league or a rugby. And I understand that one of the sports that is, and New Zealand's identity, and that's okay, but um, there is a ceiling way higher for Aussie rules in New Zealand than currently has been reached. And I'm excited to kind of, in my lifetime, see where it goes in, in you too. And I think people like yourself are really important for that, as well as the guys on the field that have been playing um, the institutional knowledge of the game, the expat Aussies that come over here and, and offer so much. I mean, it really is a, a kind of... Um, it, again, it takes a village to grow the sport, but there is work to do. There's work to do for the Blues on the field um, Saturday and the Bulldogs, as you say. So unbeaten in the regular season, the umpires will be hot, happy that I'm um, else. Um, <laughs> I've been tied up at the Rickerton races, so I'm disappointed I can't be out there. But you've got a very deep squad to, to uh, select from, Licky. You're feeling quietly confident? You'd just rather not say? Or, you, you know, how are you feeling? Oh, no, mate, to be, you know, um, let me state firstly, I'm probably unhappier than you are that you're not playing Louis. You've been a wonderful addition coming down from Auckland. I didn't really know what to expect, but, you know, each time you've popped yourself on the field, mate, you've made a contribution. Um, when I when I think about the, the confidence in the team, I guess that the challenge for the Blues is um, playing four quarters of football. So obviously in AFL, you play four quarters of kind of roughly sort of 20 minutes. And that is, um, it's wonderful, again, from a fitness and excitement aspect and the real sort of movement of the ball. But the key is staying switched on for those four quarters. And our Blues boys, whilst being, yep, nine and zero is wonderful. And we've had some hard fought wins, right? Probably three games against each of the other three teams could have gone either way. They just, happened to go our way, 9-0 and zero is awesome. You've still got to turn up on the last game of the year because fundamentally that's what it's about. And if our boys put together four quarters of football uh, and play the way that they can, they play to their potential, then we're going to be pretty hard to beat. I love that term. Um, every time I've played, I've contributed very vague and broad term, which is perfect. And I think you're right. It's all about four quarters, as you know. Got the list to do it. I'm so excited for everybody. I'm so excited for the Eastern Blues. And um, if anybody sees a, an Andrew Leckie this weekend, you didn't see him. Is that right? <laughs> That's exactly right, mate. Yep, yep. I'll be hiding in the shadows. <laughs> Calm the Eastern Blues. Well done, Leckie. Congratulations, mate. Another great season. And, um, yeah, as I say, really, really appreciative of what you're doing for the sport here in New Zealand and in Christchurch. Awesome, Louis. Thanks so much, mate. Eleventh of November, twenty twenty-three, and many of you will know exactly what that date means, uh, especially eleventh of November, and it's a, a very special event. Well, there is a very special event uh, this particular Armistice Day here in Christchurch. 
the rededication of the Lancaster Park Memorial Gates taking place later on. The Memorial Gates were built on Stevens Street in 1924 to commemorate the sacrifice of Canterbury athletes during World War One. They were damaged in the 2011-2000 or 2010-2011 Canterbury earthquakes that we all will remember and um, be aware of the, I guess, the widespread damage that was caused. And they've been refurbished since that, and they're going to be rededicated uh, a little bit later on today. 30 Stephen Street in Waltham there, a very apt place naturally. Uh, and along with this, these uh, Lancaster Park Memorial Gates, there's, I guess, a, a bit of an exhibition being unveiled as well. The Arca History, capturing a, a range of sporting and cultural moments from the past 130 years. It's a, a really, I think, apt and special um, Oh, I guess capture of history that the council and we are going to see here in Christchurch and to talk about it a little bit further with me is the head of parks at the Christchurch City Council and that is Andrew Rutledge. Andrew, uh, good morning to you and appreciate some of your time. Good morning, happy to be here. I think this is a quite a monumentous occasion and, and quite a an important um, part the council is playing here and I, I guess I can only assume it's been on your radar for a long time to, to make this happen. Uh, yes, it has definitely been on the radar for a long time, and I guess you know, for for Cantabrians in particular, that um, you know went through that torrid times with the earthquakes. Uh, you know, we we are quite a long time on, twelve years on. Um, there was a lot of debate and discussion around um, whether or not um, the stadium would be rebuilt initially at at Lancaster Park. So we had to sit and wait quietly whilst that um, that came to. Um, its conclusion, and now, of course, we've got Takaha coming out of the ground very quickly in town. Um, and then, of course, we had to pull down the um, the remains of of the stadium, um, which was a massive, massive job, one of the biggest demolition jobs, I think, in the country, if not the Southern Hemisphere, um, before we could think about um, restoring the park. And Council had some decisions to make about what they did with the that land. Thankfully, from my perspective, um, they all agreed that it, it had to remain a park. Now, throughout that whole time, we had to protect the war memorial, of course, and make sure that it was safe and, and then able to be restored. And yeah, 12 years on, we're at that point. We're um, very, very happy that we've managed to restore the gates with, with help from um, funding help from um, Canterbury Earthquake Appeal Trust, which was great, very grateful for, as well as the Lotteries Commission. You, you, you and I are probably quite biased, Andrew, but I think the connection that sport has with Canterbury in particular, and going back a very long time, um, at, at, well, to the war times even, and you know, I, I talk to my grandparents, and and they've got stories of you know family members that were representing Canterbury and athletics and or different pursuits and, and sport, and then had to drop everything and, and go off and either enlist or you know were, were called up. And I feel like that connection with those war times, with sport, with the region, I think it runs really deep. Look, it does, um, and I received an email overnight actually. Um, from someone that came to our call centre and, you know, um, this person's name is Jenny Abrahamson. I hope she doesn't mind mentioning her name. But this this is, this is a really 
really interesting example of what this place means to people. Well, I'm going to read it verbatim. It's very short. I believe my grandfather, Will, William Henry Clark, was involved in fundraising for these gates. He was the chairman of a committee that raised millions in today's money for the World War One effort. And I have a photograph of Peter Snell from the day he broke that 800-yard world record. I was there, supposed to be running in a woman's race, and ran into Peter behind the stands, so quickly got his autograph. I just think that's, you know, amazing. Yeah. But that's, it's a really good example of what this place means to people. All these memories come flooding back, um, you know, and, and she just wanted to reach out to us and let us know. I think it's just so amazing. That I mean, that's, without being, uh, with no prompt, I mean, that's exactly what I'm talking about. There's There just seems to be that really innate and intimate connection there, but that, that links it all together. So I can only applaud you for um, pursuing this and, I guess, campaigning to make sure that these or this memorial was, A, protected and now, B, being able to be, uh, rededicated. I think it's really special. Um, on the the sporting side of things, there's some pretty oh well, there's some <laughs> great Cantabrians that are going to be there a little bit later on, and mm. I've got memories of Lancaster Park and going to cricket there, and you know seeing mm. the the Flems and the the Nathan Astles of the world um, do their thing, and it, it really does. It, you know, it makes me sad that Lancaster Park is is gone, but at the same time, I think it's so important to to cherish it in those memories, right? Oh, absolutely, and. The, the arc of history is just the beginning of what we're intending to do in the park, um, but it just ties in nicely to, obviously, the restoration of the gates. We're also, as, as the park develops over the next three three to four years, um, we're going to put a lot more sporting and and cultural memora, um, memorabilia. What I mean by memorabilia is ways for people to remember and acknowledge what's happened in the park. They'll They'll be dotted all through the park. There'll be um, people will be able to connect with audio, um, all sorts of things. And we're we're exploring some. I don't fully understand it to be honest, but what is called augmented reality, where you yeah. can use your own cell phone device to watch, um, connect and watch historical footage, and you know, sort of stand in that space. So there's some really exciting stuff to come uh, beyond Saturday. Oh, look, I think um, Christchurch, just, this is a bit of a tangent, Andrew, but in general, I mean, the, the chance to be able to rebuild a city and kind of reimagine it, it's pretty world-leading in a way, and I'm sure you've been into the library and, and you've had a play on their big um, screen they have down there, and you can go back and, and see what Christchurch looked like through the years. So uh, I think it's it's pretty, I mean, you know, the silver lining is we get to reimagine and kind of reinvest in our parks, and I guess in your job wider sense, that would be a, a massive part of it. Obviously, um, re- looking at what Christchurch came from a decade ago, what it looks like now, and then what it looks like in a, a decade to come. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and um, but I think a really, really important part of 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 that sort of reimagining the city. Um, is to make sure we remember the past yeah. and, and do our very best. And I think this is where Lancaster Park has an important part to play in that sporting element. Um, we do our very best to make sure these things are not forgotten. And and for lots of people, lots of uh, younger people um, that have never been to Lancaster Park, um, to learn and capture um, 
some of those moments, you know, their experiences would have been at the temporary stadium. But of course, you know, in three years' time, they'll have a wonderful, wonderful new facility to um, to go on their sort of journey that we've been on. Um, and we need to tie all this together, you know, so that it, it's not just snippets. It's actually it's it's an enduring story that um, just gets richer and richer. And I think that's probably the value of being able to link this, you know, tactfully to the memorial gates, right? Because, you know, as time goes on, I mean, war is, you know, in war times, I mean, that gets taught, it won't hopefully ever be forgotten. And that, again, going back mm. to that link between sport and Canterbury and the region and, and the people that were involved in either fundraising or going off to fight for their country. And, yeah. and you know, I think that is quite a, a, a neat and apt way to link it all together and make sure that it isn't forgotten. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if we go right back to the beginning of what Lancaster Park was, it was, you know... Yeah. It was a piece of dirt um, and pretty swampy dirt. Um, that the then Canterbury Cricket and Athletic Sports Clubs purchased. Um, so it was a private piece of land um, from Benjamin Lancaster. And, and that's how the park was created. Um, and then, you know, much like now, it's very difficult to run big bits of land. And, and you know, it was totally amateur, of course. What year was um, that? What, do, you, do you know what year that was? It that was, was in 1881. 1881, yeah. wow. Yeah. yeah so quite, quite a few years on. And um, and then the history of the of the gates came about when um, the an organisation called the Canterbury Commercial Travellers and Warehouse Warehouse Member Association raised what was in those terms, and I don't know what, how to convert this, but eight thousand pounds to clear debt. And the gates came about um, with some of that money was used to create those those gates as a memorial. And the park actually kind of got renamed at that point Victory Park, which is where the Victory Park board came from, which was an enduring entity that went way, way through into the into the 90s um, um, before the big stadium sort of started to arrive. Mm. Um, and it was set in stone then. The land was actually handed to the Crown, so it had to be vested in the Crown, so no one could take it away. And, um, yeah, that's... Um, that's how the park began, and that's how the gates gates got there. Um, so the gates arrived, as you mentioned, in 1924. Um, just you know, sometime after the war, but it really—I mean, it, anyone who went to Lancaster Park will have memory of going through those gates. I remember going through those gates in 1985 for the, the game of the century, and the poor buggers in the white coats that were trying to take tickets, people were just walking through. You know. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. And um, we've got an amazing, one of the images we had, um, I don't want to reveal too much because I really want people to make the journey down yep. in their own time and look at look at these images. But one of the images we have, well, there's more than one actually, is, you know, reflect that game in the crowd. Quite spectacular. Oh, it's yeah. it's really cool, and and um, just like you, we we absolutely encourage everybody to uh, head along. Um, I think it's it's bloody cool that one of my idols and probably my 
one of my most incredible sporting memories as a, a youngster. Um, Nathan Astle is going to be down there, so uh, we've got Sir, yeah. Sir Richard Hadley. We've got, I mean, well, legendary retired All Black Sam Whitelock, uh, Aaron Major. I'm just reading off the list here. Uh, Robbie Deans, yeah. what, what a servant to the region he's been. So, if anybody is listening to this and and and, and wants to go and head along, uh, twelve thirty later on today, uh, Stephen Street. So twelve thirty. Um, go and have a lot. Go and see the crew there, and I uh, just again um, just want to make sure that you know, we've got the sentiment through here, Andrew. Congratulations! I just think this is such a wonderful piece of work, and it's clearly something that means quite a lot to you. I'm sure it'll be a bit emotional later on. So uh, appreciate the time and congratulations. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, there you go. Um, a wonderful chat there with Andrew Rutledge, the head of parks at Christchurch City Council, and uh, you, you heard me say where it was and when it is a little bit later on today. If you're listening and you. You loved Lancaster Park as much as Andrew and, and I did. Make sure you head along there and um, get involved. I just think it's such a cool piece of work. And, you know, councils cop a lot of flack, don't they? But when you, you hear passionate people like Andrew, who we don't know work work in places like that, they really care about the region. It, it makes you pretty proud to be from this part of the world. Uh, look, that is pretty much coming to a, an end of what we got going on here. Uh, it's a massive sporting weekend as you well know. Um, I should give a big shout-out to, or well, Addington, the crew there, and Greg and the whole operation at Addington, um, Tim and his whole crew at uh, Rickerton Park. Of course, everybody involved in running the Canterbury show this coming next weekend, I should say. Um, so we're, we're only six days to a public holiday. Yes, boy. I'll be down there at the show day races at Addington um, Cup and Show Week. That is a marvellous and very proud part of our region's uh, year. And I think it's a, a great time to celebrate where you're from and what we do So and what we're about. So uh, that's really special. Um, make sure you, you kind of enjoy your Cup and Show Week and you, you keep safe if you're going to have a few bevies, etc. Uh, I should say again, um, good luck to my boys, the Eastern Blueies, today in the Canterbury AFL Grand Final as well. Um, and the Black Caps, oh, hanging in there by the skin of their teeth. Uh, what a win that was against Sri Lanka. Great to see Trent Bolt, lovely Trenty, swinging it up the top and taking wickets. Uh, thanks to Rob Penny. That Crusaders list is, I think it's really impressive. Um, I think it's it's a really good start and a really big a nice squad to build from. Uh, what the squad looks like exactly at the end of the year. I mean, last year, the, the season from hell as far as injuries went, and they found a way. So can they find a way under Rob Penny? I kind of tend to think so. Kind of tend to think so. When you think about the DNA and the winning that is in that building, I think they will find a way. And um, Scott Barrett staying on as captain, I think, is, is really, really important. Uh, Cody Taylor going for a bit of a sabbatical, but he should be back by the time the playoffs roll around. So you know what it's like as a Crusaders fan. You just kind of hang in there, and then the end of the year comes, and that's when the business end and when things get very, very serious. Uh, enjoy your weekend. It's been the Canterbury Sports Corner with Enterprise Recruitment. Uh, as always, very, very privileged to have them on board um, Enterprise. And I hope if you're back a winner during Cup Week, well, actually, let me rephrase that. I hope if you have a bet during Cup Week, you're backing a winner. That sounds better. Enjoy, everybody. Thanks for your time. This has been Canterbury Sports Corner. I'm Louie. Back next week.